Thank you for that. Appreciate that. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and open up to Acts chapter number one. Acts chapter number one. And I want to preach this morning on empowered by God. Empowered by God. Acts chapter number one. We're going to talk about the, the work of the Holy Spirit. We started talking about that last week. And, uh, and there's, so, there's so much really in the Word of God about the work of the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and so I just want to look at this verse this morning. And, uh, and we'll, we'll cover a little bit more of the work of the Holy Spirit. By no means will we cover it all. Uh, there's just a lot there. But in Acts chapter number 1 and verse number 6, we'll take our text. And uh, the Bible says this in Acts chapter 1 and verse number 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom of Israel. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. Let's stop there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your goodness to us. Father, we thank you for your many blessings. Thank you for the indwelling of the Holy Spirit. And God, I pray that you would use me. God, I pray that you would speak through me. God, I pray that you would touch hearts as only you can. And Father, we'll thank you for that. God, will give you the honor and glory for all that's said and done. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. As we look at this verse this morning, uh, verse number eight is where I want to take my text primarily, where it says, but ye shall receive power after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. But just notice here in verse number six that the disciples were gathered together with Jesus and they asked this question to Jesus. They, they said, wilt thou now restore the kingdom of Israel. Uh, and I find that just fascinating because the disciples uh, had just spent three and a half years with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ has just been crucified and, uh, and was buried for those three days and was risen again. And now they're thinking, okay, now finally, all of that is finally done. Now let's see if the Lord is going to restore the kingdom of Israel. Um, and it just shows you how uh, ingrained they were in the prophecy of the Old Testament that very much so points to the restoration of the nation of Israel, so much so that even Jesus' own disciples were still waiting for that. And, uh, and that will happen, by the way, but it, it did not happen then, and it, it will happen further down the road as we went through the book of Revelation, and we see that that will take place. But I just find it fascinating because that's where the disciples were at. And in verse number 7, Jesus kind of does a play on words because, hey, it's, it's not for you to know the times and seasons. In other words, hey, uh, you may, you're probably not going to understand it all. But he says this, uh, he says it, it's left to God's power. But notice this, then the play on the words, because he says in verse number 8, But ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. 
And of course, last week we talked about the uh, indwelling of the Holy Spirit and how the world cannot receive uh, the Holy Spirit. And only people who are saved and born again, they have at the moment they trust Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, they are indwelt with the Holy Spirit. And we talked about that last week. Uh, and so I'm not going to go back and rehash all of that, uh, but understand that uh, in this point of time, uh, it had yet to take place. It was going to take place in Acts chapter 2. And, uh, and from there forward, uh, we know that that is how God worked, all right? And so we understand all of that. But what I want us to see is this. The Bible says, but ye shall receive power. And I find it very interesting that, uh, that listen, in all reality, uh, the power of the Holy Spirit of God dwells within us. But we often don't use that power. And, and I find that very fascinating. And I want to define this. What is the power of God? I want us to focus on that just for a minute. But before we go off too far down that road, we have to define what is not the power of God. Uh, because I'm speaking primarily this morning to, to born-again Christians. I'm speaking to people primarily that have been in church for a while, been around the block or a time or two, and have seen many things throughout Christianity. And listen, for us, those of us who are uh, very much ingrained in church, we can very much so get off on what the power of God is. And we don't even realize it. And so I put down the first thing. Listen, uh, the, the power of God is not necessarily, uh, well, let me just put it this way, is not a particular preaching style. We need to understand that. Because sometimes we're so convinced in our mind that if a person gets up and if they sweat and if they slobber and if they stomp and if they scream, that, hey, the Spirit of God is using them. Hey, that's not always true. Uh, we need to understand that. Uh, and it could be that God is using them, but it could be, hey, it's just all them. And there's nothing of God about that. Uh, I was reminded as I was going through that of, of an old joke that I heard many years ago. And uh, the, little, uh, the little boy that lived on a farm, he was out at, uh, uh, at church and, and he thought, boy, I think I'm called to preach. And... Uh, and, uh, and so the, the preacher come by that week and was visiting at the house and, and, uh, and the little boy told the preacher, he said, I, I think I'm called to preach. And uh, the pastor said, well, right there's a crate. Why don't you get up on that crate and let me hear it. So the little boy gets up on the crate and he said, the little red chicken come running around the barn. He said, son, you're not called to preach. He goes back and a couple weeks later, the preacher come around, he's visiting again, and the little boy says, Preacher, I think I'm called to preach. And he said, there's the crate, why don't you get up there and, and, uh, and let me hear it. And he says, little red chicken, come running around the barn. He said, son, you're not called to preach. One a couple weeks later, and, uh, and the preacher has come by again, and he was visiting. He, he said, I know I'm called to preach. He said, well, he said, there's the crate, get up there and try it again. He said, the little red chicken, <laughs> he come a running around the barn. <laughs> and he said, by God, I, ble I believe you are called to preach. <laughs> Amen. 
Sometimes we think it's all about the antics and it's all about what we can manufacture in the flesh. And listen, if we're not careful because a guy ties his tie right and he wears the right color shirt and he puts his suit on and he does and he goes through all of the motions and everything looks right, hey, we're prone to say, wow, the Spirit of the God is upon him. And that's not always true. It is not about the style of preaching. I was reading and, uh, and I was reminded of Jonathan Edwards and he preached, uh, he preached a, the, the, a message that was renowned and uh, very well-known sinners in the hand, uh, hands of an angry God. And it's been commonly reported that, that he did not even, uh, he, he was not an, a, an antics preacher, if I could say it that way. Matter of fact, uh, it's commonly reported that he got up and basically he read that message. And I read reports that he was not even able to finish that message because people started coming to the altar. And you say, man, that was, what was that? That was the power of God. Listen, it's, it's not in the style of preaching. And I'll tell you this as well. I, I could get Jonathan Edwards' sermon. I could get a copy of it. And I could stand up here and I can read that same message. It's not even, that's not even necessarily the power of God. We're so prone to say, well, it's this, this, and this, and, and we want to we wanna put the, the power of God on a recipe card, and, and if you do this and do this and cross this T and dot this I and do everything like that, then you'll have the power of God on your life. Can I tell you that, listen, it's not in uh, the, the style of preaching. It's not in uh, just a, a recipe card that we can, uh, on our will and on our whim, call up the power of God within our lives. But listen, we have access to that power. It's not in the particular preaching style. It's not simply following a specific plan that we may have. And so we're, we're so down with programs. And, and listen, uh, well, this church did this and this church did that. And I'm not against those kind of things necessarily. But can I tell you, just because this church did this thing and this church did this thing and they saw great results and God must have been in it, that is not necessarily the power of God. We need to understand that. Because we want not just some program to follow, but we want the power of God on our life. It's not a particular preaching style. It's not a plan. Can I tell you this morning, it's not a personality. Listen, I, I've met some very personable people with great personalities. And I'm just telling you, some people are more personable than others. But I'm just telling you that if you read and study the lives of the disciples, every one of them was different. Hey, Peter was very outspoken. He was very bold. John, I think, probably tended to be a little more reserved and, and was the, uh, the beloved disciple, if I could say it that way. And, and I could picture all of those disciples just having their unique and distinct personalities, but yet every one of them was used of God in marvelous ways. 
So the power of God is not a particular preaching style. It's not a specific plan that you can just uh, one, two, three, follow after me and and have the power of God in your life. It's not in a particular uh, personality. But understand this, in our text the Bible says, but ye shall receive power. After that the Holy Ghost is come upon you. Listen, the power, it comes from God. And if we want the power of God, then we have to draw close to God. It's important because without that close relationship of God, then you're not going to have the power of God. Uh, I want you to notice as well, not only does the power come from God, He is the source of that power, but also notice that, uh, that God's purpose is not to promote self. We've got to say that today. Because I'm afraid that so many people are just interested in promoting themselves and look what I do and, and look at this. And listen, God is not, God has never been about exalting mankind. It's all about exalting Jesus Christ, the Savior. We need to understand that because there's a very clear distinction there. We see the power that comes from God. Jesus Christ promised to the disciples, He said, Ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost is come upon you. What is the purpose of the power? I can assure you this morning that this is not a comprehensive list by any stretch of the imagination. The purpose and work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer and in the church is a very, uh, very uh, involved ministry. It's not just a simple thing. But can I tell you this morning from our text, just a few things. Uh, Notice this first and foremost in verse number 8. The Bible says, And ye shall be witnesses. That word witness, sometimes we, we use it a lot, but what does it actually mean? If you're to draw a witness onto the uh, stand in a courtroom setting, a witness would be this, uh, the one that has seen or knows something because they were there. Maybe they heard something, maybe they saw something, but nonetheless they have very relevant information that would, uh, that would go for this case. And, and understand this, that the purpose, that God, one of the purposes that God gives us, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, is so that you and I can go into the world and be a witness that is, an, that is somebody that can testify of firsthand knowledge of who who God is, and let the world know, hey, I serve a real God, and He's alive, and He changed my life. And I can tell you that He's not just something that's made up, but He is a real God. And listen, He even commands us to go into the world. The Bible says in, in Matthew 5, 14, He says, Ye are the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. In verse number 16, He goes on and He says this, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father. Not yourself. Glorify your Father. Let's try that again. Glorify your Father. There you go. I had to give you the answer first. Which is in heaven. Hey, listen. 
God is all about exalting the Lord Jesus Christ and God the Father. And listen, we have been left on this earth for the purpose of, of being a witness of testifying of God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. That's our job. And listen, if God's express purpose was simply to take you to heaven, hey, the day you got saved, he'd have done that. But he didn't do that. Every one of us is here. And if he has us all here, uh, then listen, uh, he has a purpose for your life. He didn't just leave you here uh, saying, okay, you're saved. Uh, let's go on to the next project. Uh, that one's all done. No, uh, he, he wants you to be a witness and be a light everywhere you go. Listen, I don't know if you've ever been in a candlelight service or not, but I have. And if we were to shut all the lights off in here, it gets a little bit dark, but we did get the emergency lights fixed. We're good there. So they'll come on. But if I just light one candle, you all can see it. You'd be like, well, at least it's not totally dark in here. But if I take that light and I take that light and I spread it to one other person, and then that person takes and spreads that light and I take my light and spread it to another person. And those people, it really doesn't take very long at all before the entire room is illuminated. I want two things I want you to notice about that. One, I can go and I can light everyone's candle, but it will take a long time. But if I light one person's candle and that person lights another person's candle, and then those two people light another person's candle. You're going to have to help me with the math because it's going to get complex quick. But we got four people. Then those four people go out and light their candles. We got eight people. Then eight people go out and light their candles. We got 16 people. And it goes on. You get the idea. But the idea is it illuminates far faster. Hey, listen, the Holy Spirit of God dwells in each and every one of you. You have already received the light of God in your life. My question is, are you lighting at somebody else's candle? Hey, listen, we live in a dark world. You go out, praise the Lord, when we get together, man, it's exciting. It is, it's exciting for me to see you. It's, it's exciting for you to see each other. It's exciting to see other believers. But when we go out of here, we live in a dark, dark world. And we carry our little light wherever we go. And hopefully you don't hide your light. And hopefully you don't put it under a bushel as we sing in junior church. But hopefully you let that light shine for the rest of the world. But listen, we, we ought to let the light shine, but we ought to be uh, trying to light somebody else's candle as well and say, hey, listen, God loves you too. He wants to see your life change and he wants to see you saved. And that is the purpose of why the Holy Spirit dwells in us. It's one of the purposes. It's stated very clearly, but ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you and ye shall be witnesses. A testimony to the lost and dying world. Uh, listen, that is the purpose of our life. It is one of the purposes that we ought to live our life for. And that is to be a witness for Jesus Christ because he wants us to do that. Not only that, but go with me to Galatians chapter number 5. 
Galatians chapter 5, and I'd like you to see this in your Bible. Galatians chapter number 5 and verse number 16. Not only are we to be a witness, but I want you to notice this. The Bible says in Galatians 5, 16, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, that ye shall, and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of your flesh. Not only are we to be the purpose, one of the purposes is to be a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ everywhere we go. But the second purpose that we also are supposed to have uh, is that is walking in the Spirit, as the Bible says. And, and you say, well, what is exactly does that mean? And that's a good question, and, and, and it's very involved, and, and yet I, I want to try and illustrate it as best I can. And I've asked Brother, Brother Tom to help me this morning. Brother Tom, why don't you come on up here? And I brought my handy-dandy rope this morning. And um, nobody's getting hung, don't worry. Some of you was worrying out there. I, at the Wilderness Christian Camp, I wasn't there for it. I, I missed it. Um, it was this was last year, and they do it every year. Uh, but but they were they were gonna uh, tie some of the kids. Well, they were gonna tie all the kids together. Uh, every kid got a partner, and they were tied with, for the entire day. The kid was tied to the other kid. And really, the whole purpose of that illustration was to teach those kids not to be so selfish. Because in reality, we go through our life and we're selfish. We think of me when I get hungry. Listen, the whole world has to stop and I need to eat. <laughs> when I get tired, the whole world needs to stop and all my kids need to be quiet because I need to take a nap. Is that not how we live our life? We're, we're, we're selfish by nature. We tend to think only of ourselves. And in reality, the Holy Spirit dwells within us, but we're so uh, uh, really not very conscious of the Holy Spirit within us. Just put your hand in there, brother, and then kind of hang on to it. I was going to tie it around our waist, but I opted not to do that for time's sake. I actually... <laughs> So we're tied together. Brother Tom is going to represent the Holy Spirit, and I'm going to represent a believer. And in reality, the moment you get saved, you're not just tied. This is just for illustrative purposes. But the Holy Spirit actually dwells within you. That's what the Bible says. So I asked Brother Tom, and I chose Brother Tom for a couple reasons. One, he's a little bit bigger than I am. And truth be told, he probably could pull me around wherever he wants to with this rope. That's the truth of it. Listen, God could pull you around wherever he wants to with the rope. Well, but the fact is he dwells inside you. He could because he's powerful enough, but he does not. And so as I go around, he's going to follow me everywhere I go because we're stuck together. We're tied. We can't get apart. And so the Bible is very clear that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And so I'm going to help you understand a little bit here. As I got the Holy Spirit, we have to set some parameters here. So you got to kind of follow me quick. Um, we're going to make this the world. All right, it's round. It's going to represent the world. It's even green. We ought to add a little blue to it. But we'll put that right here. That's going to be the world. We'll just have over here kind of represent godliness and goodness. And the Holy Spirit goes everywhere. He indwells us. And so as a Christian, uh, I tend to... i got to switch hands. 
I, I tend to, I like godliness, but my flesh also likes worldliness, if I'm honest. And my flesh desires worldliness. And when, when I start to go towards the world, the Holy Spirit resists. You notice that rope got a little tight. I told him, hey, resist. resist. He, he doesn't, he's not in. This is God. This is, this is a representation of God. All right. <laughs> Thank you for clarifying. This is a representation of God. He's not interested in worldliness. He's not interested in the styles and fads and music and, and friends and everything that the world represents. God's not in it. He's not interested in that stuff. And so while he's God and while he has the power to pull me back and to refrain me from going that direction, he does not, but rather I can actually drag the Holy Spirit and God within me to the way of the world. Yeah, I keep going away. Because <laughs> he doesn't want to be any closer than he has to be. But as a Christian, if I choose to, to live in the world and I choose to follow the things of the world, then the Bible says this, I grieve Amen. the Holy Spirit. It's not pleasing to God to live in the world. It's not pleasing to God to walk in worldliness. It's not pleasing to God to do the things of the world. And so he, he becomes grieved by the fact that I'm over here with the world and that I have the world and that, that man, uh, I'm, I'm interested in this world. Listen, that grieves God. And he's right there. I mean, uh, we got a little bit of distance between us. I actually even wanted a shorter rope than this. But, uh, uh, but he's, you see, he's, he's resistant. He doesn't want that stuff. And listen, when I turn away from the world and I start to go towards godliness, how big's your bubble, brother? <laughs> oh, I got to go under. You're taller than me. There we go. <laughs> you know what? I can, I can peg myself to godliness. Amen. And I can choose. There's, there's, there's no restraint on this rope. And I can Amen. walk with God. And I ought to be as close to God. The Bible says, walk in the Spirit. Amen. What does that mean? That, hey, I am in line with God in my life. Amen. Not that God's in line with me, because God's not going to be in line with the world. He's not going to be in line with the things of the world. He, he is, he's opposed to those things and he's constantly resisting and, and he's saying, giving little tugs and saying, you ought not be over there. You ought to be over here. You ought to be walking closer to God. You ought to be, uh, be living for God. And, and we've got this rope that goes with us. Thank you, brother. Uh, and, and everywhere we go, the Holy Spirit is there with us and he's walking with us and he wants us to walk with him. Listen, Every single day, you need to recognize that, you are, that, that God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. You get up and you go to work on Monday. Understand that God, the Holy Spirit, dwells within you. So, man, I, I hope God doesn't embarrass me today. Are you trying to fit in with the world? Or are you trying to be a light to that world? Because the Apostle Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. 
And listen, we can't run around being ashamed of the fact that, that the Holy Spirit dwells within us. And listen, we are, I, I, Brother Tom said in Sunday school this morning that, that he, his idea, his great idea was to, if he had money is to buy an island and, and tell the world to go take a hike. Man, I, I'm kind of with you, brother. But God never called us to start a, a Christian colony where, where we're all Christians and, and never reach out to the world and never touch the world and never impact the world, but rather God saved us. And the reason he didn't take us immediately to heaven is he left us here to be a witness to the world that is around us. And the only way that you can be a witness to the world that is around you is when you walk in the Spirit. On Monday morning, Monday throughout the day, Tuesday all day long, Wednesday all day long, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Oh, it's easy on Sunday to come as a Christian. It's easy to dress up and say, man, I've got to get my Bible. I've got to go to church because we're going to meet with God today. And it's exciting. And that's a good thing. And, and listen, it's an encouraging thing for us to get together. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that that shouldn't be the case. It is, and it ought to be. But listen, the reality of the matter is every single day we need to walk with God. And live as a Christian ought to live. Because he dwells within us. Notice here in our text, Galatians chapter 5 and verse number 16. I was going to read more of this. The Bible says, this I say then, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. Verse 17, for the flesh lusteth against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. And these are contrary the one to the other so that ye cannot do the things that ye would. But if ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. Verse 19, he gives a whole list of the works of the flesh. If you have any doubt, you go back and you read them. And you find out what is it that your flesh desires. But then down there in verse number 20, uh, 22, he gives us the fruit of the Spirit. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, gentleness, goodness, faith, meekness, temperance. Against such there is no law. Listen, this world doesn't know much about meekness. This world doesn't know much about temperance. This world doesn't know much about love. This world doesn't know much about the fruits of the Spirit. And so listen, if you're a Christian and you're walking in the fruit of the Spirit, hey listen, they're going to note your life. They're going to notice there's something different. And listen, it doesn't just stop there. Hey, we need to be a testimony and open our mouths and speak for the Lord Jesus Christ. We'll talk about that more. But understand that we have to walk in the Spirit. And as you leave here today, we need to be a witness every day of the week by walking in the Spirit. I have one more thing because reality, all of that is informational. And I always wanted to say this. All, that was all my introduction. Here's my message. I'm kidding, that's not true. It kind of is. There's a whole lot of teaching, but I've got a short message that I want you to see. Go with me to the book of Judges, chapter number 16. Judges in the Old Testament. Verse number, and chapter number 16. And here's my fear as Christians. 
Here's my fear as people who are saved and born again, people who know the Lord Jesus Christ, and, and they're sure of that. They're, they're not doubting that. And the Holy Spirit dwells within you. We know that. But here's my fear. In Judges chapter number 16 and verse number 20, the last part of that verse says, it's talking about Samson, and the Bible says, and he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. That's my fear. That's Judges 16 and verse number 20. It's the last part of that verse. It's talking about Samson. How did Samson get to a place in his life that, that he wist not that the Lord was departed from him? You say, well, preacher, that's Old Testament. That, that's, that's Old Testament. Listen, you want New Testament, first, or 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 1, all the way down through 5. The Bible says in verse 1, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. In verse number 5, it says, Having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof from such Turn away. Now listen, what is the power in our life? It is the Holy Spirit of promise that indwells us. We already saw that. Uh, that the Bible says that ye shall receive power. After that, the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses. So the power that we have comes from that of the Holy Ghost that dwells inside of every one of you. And, and in, in uh, 2 Timothy chapter 3 and verse number 5, he's talking about end times and he says this having a form of godliness but denying the power thereof from such turn away I don't want to be a church where we just gather together where we go through all the motions we wear a tie we wear a shirt we dress right we sing the right songs we go through all the right motions but there's no godliness and no power of God in our life I don't want that for our church. Listen, we're living in the last days, if you should doubt. Hey, hey, listen, uh, the Lord Jesus Christ could come back at any moment. And I'm just telling you uh, that, that you don't think we're in the last days. You go back and you restudy 2 Timothy because I'm telling you, unthankfulness is in there. And all of the whole list is in there in 2 Timothy chapter 3. And I'm just telling you that it's not hard to see that we're living in end times. But understand this, that just because we're living in end times does not mean that we have have to be Christians that are powerless in our lives. The book of Revelations, those messages to the churches, he, he congratulated some of them because they were living right and doing right, though there was wickedness all around them. That's what I want to be, a Christian that lives within the power of God. Listen, how did, we're back in Judges chapter 16, how is it that, uh, that, that Samson came to this place that he wished not that the, the Lord was departed from him? The first thing I think in, in looking at his life is that he lived in the flesh in Judges 16 and verse number 4, and we don't have time to go through the entire passage, but notice this, and it came to pass afterward that he, that would be Samson, loved a woman in the valley of Sorek whose name was Delilah. If you know anything about the life of Samson, his problem in his life was women. It was just a problem. 
And you say, well, that's not my problem in my life. Well, good for you. Everyone has different, uh, different pet sins that they have problems with. And that was Samson's, and it became very obvious. And so the first thing I want you to notice about Samson's life and how he came to a place where he wished not that the Lord had departed from him is because he lived in the flesh. You say, well, what does that mean? It means you don't really think about God. On Monday when you get up, you don't consider God. You say, well, I got to go to work. I need to get breakfast. I want to pack myself a good lunch because I got a big day ahead of me and I want to eat well. And then, and then all throughout work, you're, you're doing this and you're doing that. And, and, and it's all about self and you're living in the flesh and you're not conscientious of the fact that you are tied to the Holy Spirit and that he dwells within you. And on Tuesday, you go through life and you do the same thing and you live in the flesh. Listen, Samson's weakness and Samson's problem was that he lived for selfish desire. And every one of us have selfish desires, whatever they may be. We have got to be careful. That's why Jesus said, if any man would come after me, let him deny himself. And say, it's not about me. It's not about Shane Rice. It's not about you. It's about God. Samson lived following his flesh. Notice this, not only that, but notice in verse number four as well, it says, it came to pass afterward that he loved a woman. Not only did he live in the flesh, but he loved the world. That, that Delilah was a representation of everything that was in the world. And, and Samson loved the world. Do you know what the Bible says in 1 John chapter 2 and verse number 15? Love not the world, neither the things that are in this world. Listen, some of us are so caught up with the things of God that we would be more concerned about the loss of our car, about the loss of our house, about the loss of our newest shiny gadget, about the loss of some sports team than losing the presence and power of God in your life. Samson fell in love with the world. And it was more about his selfish, fleshly, worldly desires than about what God wanted his, in his life. Not only did he live in the world, live in the flesh, not only did he love the world, but I want you to see this, and it becomes very evident in this passage, he became blind to the dangers of the world. He could not even see them. Look with me in verse number five. No, let's go to verse, yeah, verse, verse four, verse five. And the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and said to her, Entice him and see wherein his great strength lieth and by what means we may prevail against him that we may bind him to afflict him and we will give thee every one of us 1,100 pieces of silver. Look at verse number six. And Delilah said to Samson, 
Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. She didn't even hold back any words. She was flat out open about her plan. She said, uh, she wasn't just saying, hey, I want to know the secret of your strength because it's really incredible. She said, I want to know the secret of your strength and how it is that you can be bound and afflicted. It was from the very beginning, but, but, but Samson could not see the, the, the dangers of the world because he was so in love with the world. He was so in love with his fleshly desires that it didn't even bother him that the, the, the uh, plan of attack of the enemy was laid out in front of him and he still continued in the world. Listen, some of us get so caught up in the world that we cannot see the dangers of it. Look in verse number 16, the Bible says, And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words uh, and urged him so that his soul was vexed unto death. He became so involved with worldly affairs and things of this world that, man, he didn't want anything to do with God. And he had walked away from God and became interested and involved with everything that was worldly. Notice this, all of that leads down to verse number 20. Because you know the story, he spilled the secret. Verse number 20, and she said, The Philistines be upon thee, Samson. Uh, and he awoke out of his sleep, and he said, I will go out as at other times before and shake myself. And he wist not that the Lord was departed from him. I don't want us to gather in our church. I don't want us to go to our Sunday school classes and teach. I don't want us to sing in the choir and sing specials and I don't want us to clean the building and run the sound booth and play the piano and I don't want us to run the van route and I don't want us to get gospel tracts and pass them out during the week and, and do all of that stuff, wisting not that the Lord has departed from us. I want God's presence among us. The power of God is not in some spectacular presentation. The power of God is not in some personality or some plan. If you put out this many invites, then they'll come and, and all of that. It's not in the programs. It's in us walking in the Spirit of God every day of the week. And if we're conscientious of God on Sunday, on Monday, on Tuesday, on Wednesday, on Thursday, on Friday, on Saturday. Hey, listen, you want to see the world turned upside down? You get a bunch of Christians that are just aware of God every day of the week. And boy, you start talking about him. And you start bragging about how good God has been. And you start being a witness and a light every day of the week. And God will move in our lives and in our place. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I don't want to be a church that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. 
I don't want to be a Christian that has a form of godliness but denies the power thereof. I don't want to be a Samson that wist not that the Lord had departed from him. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. And God, we're, I've preached primarily to saved people this morning. And God, if there's one person that does not know you as their personal Savior, God, I pray that they would see their need to trust you with their life and be saved today. But God, as Christians, I pray that we'd see the importance of walking with you every single day of the week. I pray, God, that you'd help us to be walking to be witnessing for you. God, I pray that you'd speak to hearts as only you can. In Jesus' precious name, I pray. Amen. As the piano begins to play, the altars are open. These have come. There's room. There's time. Why not ask God to use you? As the piano plays, Are you content just living life the way it is? Or do you want God's power on your life? Do you want to walk with Him? It's amazing, to be honest with you, that He desires to walk with us. That He would go everywhere with us. That He would spend time with us. continues to play.